0: Now get ready to talk hockey, Stream from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, hey, hey! It's Michael here for another Tuesday edition of Oilers Live. Not sure what's going on, but Dash couldn't hear me. <laughs> I think. I think the rest of everybody could, at least I hope so. So I'm here with Dash. I know uh, in the background we're waiting for Hart Levine from Puckpedia, who's uh, having a couple computer issues and should be joining soon. Thanks for joining us. Sorry about last week. We had some technical difficulties and uh, first Tuesday show missed in a very, very long time. Uh, Welcome, Dash. How's the week going?
1: Yeah, it's going okay. I'm a little bit under the weather, but uh, you don't work for a network called Heavy Hockey and and not play sick, right?
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. We'll put you out there anyway. You're
1: going to play. Play, you're going to play, and you're going to play sick. When you're a first liner, you got to go when you got to (laughs) go. That's right. First liner. Team needs me. Let's talk
0: about this first liner stuff. Ah, uh, you know what it's been uh, maybe the week off was the right uh, right move we had um a chance to catch up on some uh on some oilers uh uh camp and some of the exhibition games that went on a few guys uh doing some things and of course um you know some big names we got Hart Levine is uh is ready to join it looks like we're going to bring him in right away Let's uh let's bring in Hart. How you doing Hart? Can you hear us? Maybe you can't hear us. You will get that figured out. But he's wearing the uh wearing the Jays hat. We can hear you Hart or we I don't know if we can hear you yet.
2: I can I can hear you now. Sorry about a No time problem. My my stuff to break. Sorry about that.
0: Oh, no. All good. All hey. good. And the show. Are you guys on? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, we're on. We're uh, oh, okay. already a couple minutes in. Start at nine. Now we're on. Now that we're on EdmontonSportsTalk.com, dot com, we we uh, start right at nine p.m. Oilers live Tuesday every oh, sorry week. Sorry about that. Hey, no problem. We got you in. It's all good. It's all good. I was just saying, you. Uh, it's good to see you wearing the the Blue Jays cap, supporting a supporting a team. Sort of a sad outing. Tonight. Yeah, I was Couldn't gonna throw problem. it
2: after the game. I was gonna throw it after the game, but that I'll I'll wait till tomorrow to decide that.
0: Yeah, well, we lost. Jeez, uh, everybody's having uh, technical issues today. It looks like we lost Dash too. It's all good. All good. We uh, we missed our first show, first Tuesday show in a long time last week. I was in the. I I'd, I'd love to say I was in the middle of nowhere, but I was in Aurelia, Ontario, uh, and just couldn't get uh, good good enough network coverage to get the show going so everybody was uh comforted by some uh replay of the nielsen show i think uh from the morning oh nice yeah i mean they they probably probably enjoyed that more than they enjoyed our stuff anyway so it's all good (laughs) so uh tell me how are things uh how are things going hard how's puckpedia doing how's life in general can you not hear me
2: Oh, it's going well. Thank you. Uh, it's a, starting to get it to a busy time of the year. A little bit of a, a lull here in the end of the summer. Um, but, you know, now it's gearing up, trying to get all the rosters projected, start looking at what teams are going to do for LTIR, which is kind of my uh, the bane of my existence sometimes, is just managing all the LTIR stuff. Um, we're also working on some exciting new things on the site and pushing and hoping to get them launched before... Uh, before the season starts. Uh, So yeah, there's a lot going on.
0: Well, that's kind of exciting. So you got some new stuff happening, Uh, anything that you can announce yet, or is that still a bit of a surprise and waiting? I feel like we have got some delay. um,
2: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I can, I can uh, just share that the site look and feel uh, it's crazy. It's actually five years since the site launched. So I think it's time, time to, freshen up uh, the look and feel, add a few little features. Uh, we kind of set the set the stage to get this release, and then we can start doing more when we're on a little bit of a, a new uh, format. Um, so that's coming. The exciting news that uh, was recently announced was the partnership with PuckDoku. I'm not sure if you guys play PuckDoku, um, but that's now kind of part of the Puckpedia family. Um, and uh, oh PuckDoku is kind of the game that's going throughout the hockey world. It's like Sudoku, but for hockey, um, there's you know teams or categories on the on the edges of the square, and you have to come up with a player that's played for both those teams or that's played for a team and, and meets one of the stat categories. Uh, so it's been very popular and uh, got to know the, the founder of it and yeah, to be part of that as well. And uh, that's also part of what we're launching on the site, getting that more into uh, into Wikipedia. Have an official uh, Puckdoku blog because uh, there's a lot of content out there. People writing about the answers that they that they're using, like the most common guys that they're using. So excited to uh, release all that pretty soon. Yeah, right on. Yeah, no,
0: I wasn't uh, familiar with Puckdoku. I think I've seen something about it uh, in the past, but I'm sure Dash, you've probably. You're probably into that. Sounds,
1: I haven't like- played it. It's been on my uh, to-do list, if you will, but I have heard a few people chirp uh, some players, <laughs> you know, like Strudwick on media, because that's a good yeah. name to use in Puck Boku. So.
0: <laughs> right Strudwick's fine yeah, good for I've something I've used him a couple
2: times. Yeah. And uh, there was one the other day, was it was a player that played for the Oilers and the Devils, and I, I picked uh, Valerie Zelopukin, and I sent it to my friend and he's like, oh my God, I picked him too. So like, sometimes you think you come up with the most unique answer and it's not. Yarmir Yager.
0: I'm honestly terrible at stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> you know, I just can't put it together. And then once you tell me, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the guy. So yeah. Thanks for having me back,
1: Michael. I thought you kicked me off and just wanted to show to yourself with heart.
0: Well, I'd considered it, but <laughs> I would have done that a long time ago if I, <laughs> if I didn't want to No, it. was that it easy. If I knew it was that easy, that's right. Yeah, we were just talking with uh, Hart about some of the changes that uh, he can talk about with uh, Puckpedia coming up. I guess uh, a little bit of a revamp of Puckpedia.com, so for those of you tuning in, uh, you can go to puckpedia.com. It's, uh, the source for, uh, most of heavy hockey where we go, if we want, uh, information on our salary caps or, uh, i love the, um, agent dashboard is great. Um, I personally, you know, I use Thank it you. a lot just to check out the, um, you know, the, the depth chart and I love the, I love the way it looks now. So I hope you don't change it too much. Um, but I love the, uh. <laughs> I love the way that the salaries are laid out and uh, it's pretty easy for me to go and get information. And then of course we've got your little pop-up that we use on uh, heavyhockey.com. So anytime there's a uh, player mentioned, which is in every article, uh, a <laughs> little pop-up comes up and that's powered by uh, Puckpedia. It gives you their salary, s- salary cap information, contract year, uh, expiry, all of the good stuff. So.
2: Yeah, thanks, uh, Michael. Yeah, so we have some tools for writers like yourself to integrate um, player contract information or team cap information into their articles really easily. So we have some of those, um, but that's also something we're working on over the, the coming few weeks, couple few months is to build more of those tools, make it easier to integrate those into different publishing platforms. So um. Yeah, we definitely want to make sure that when people are writing articles um, and there's a lot of great writers out there, or great sites, that um, it's easy for them to sort of automate um, making the content a little bit more interesting than just text by adding in some, you know, some automatic graphics showing all the, the information that the reader probably is going to end up go- opening another tab to go see anyway. So you might as well uh, integrate it all in there for
1: them. Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: you hear that, Dash, right? He said, writers like yourself. I think that's what he
0: said. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was talking about me and the one article that I've written for heavyhockey.com. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe
1: he's just queuing up lots. Yeah. Does that, uh,
0: does that classify as a writer? I'm not sure, but I'll take it. I will take it. In fact, uh, heart, I hate writing. Absolutely hate it. Uh, but, uh, happy to have, uh, the site and a bunch of guys behind us that, uh, that do that. In fact, we will, I am queuing up, uh, got Ryan Lotsberg, who's uh, one of our more prolific writers on heavyhockey.com. He'll be joining later tonight.
1: Well, Hart awesome. would have mentioned me if he was going to mention Best Podcast. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Of course. Yeah, I'm sure he would have. He's got his... He's got his shit straight. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I've got to ask, like, how, what sort of, uh, without giving away too much, I mean, you're usually ahead of the curve. I mean, how often are you getting the scoops before other folks? And uh, how often are you hearing from the agent in order to change uh, on your site?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have been very fortunate since uh, launching the site. Like, I can't believe it's already been five years. But over that time, yeah, I've uh, made a lot of really good relationships with people in hockey so agents and um people uh, like team management and even some players um you know media people and i think um you know in a lot of ways because uh you know have a little bit of knowledge about the salary cap rules and and cba which people that are experts in other areas of hockey they might not necessarily have that they reach out for help and and have some questions and um and then like you mentioned agents often want to make sure that they have all their players uh Listed under them and their their ranking as high as possible on the agent leaderboard. Um, so through that, yeah, you, I you start hearing information and you sort of become part of that information, uh, the like highway, right? Where there I'm hearing stuff and then other people ask what I'm hearing and it kind of just goes in circles like that. So I mean, you know, on Twitter, I really only put out like confirmed deals or confirmed contract information. I don't really try to speculate, but I certainly uh, yeah, hear about a lot of stuff, and then it's interesting to see what happens, what doesn't. And it's interesting to, to hear, like, when I know someone's kind of trying to use me to take information and give it to someone else that they might not talk to directly and get some information back. It's, it's fun to be part of it in some small way. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome.
2: Well, while we have you here,
0: I think Dash and I will probably uh, pick your head on the Oilers sal- salary cap situation, uh, where you think sure. that might go. And, uh, and, you know, we'll use this time effectively. Uh, we've got you yeah, until uh, 9 30, your time. And uh, sure. we'll take this opportunity. Uh, so, maybe my first question um, you know, when you look at uh, the Oilers in the cap situation this year, right? And if I go onto puckpedia.com, it says, you know, current cap space of 382,000. And then a roster of 21 out of 23. I think the problem that I've, you know, I always look at these things, you know, you see 43 out of 50 on the contract and you see, there's all these different numbers out there uh, and somehow they make it work. Um, What is the, like, what is the legitimate situation for the Oilers right now in terms of, you know, if they take, is that, is that uh, dollar value? Is that including that sort of last forward that we've we've been asking yep. for a minimum contract and and um you know how does that work like if they um so if they send say they keep uh live and send lane lane peterson down what does that mean for the oilers in terms of a cap, salary cap situation
2: yeah so this time of year before the season starts i'm just basically projecting guessing what the rosters will be um i'm not I'm not including everyone that's still, like, with the team in camp because that would be way too many players. So for all the teams, um, I try to keep a handle on what it looks like the, the opening rosters are going to be when they start the season. And obviously, I, you know, I follow a lot of reporters, and it gets more accurate, you know, the last couple of days. I mean, there's people getting waved every day that I'm like, oh, I guess they're not on the NHL roster. I better update that now. But So right now it's just a projection. Once, we, once the season officially starts, um, which this year is on the 10th, then it's not me guessing. Then it's the actual rosters and the actual um, like what's actually counting towards the salary cap is as much as I'm as close as I can get to the, the the correct official numbers. So, um, but yeah, right now it's just me projecting. And what I'm showing with the Oilers is 21 healthy players. Um, They have no injured players right now, which is a, a change from the previous years. And so right now in my projected roster, I have, your Broberg and Darnay is the sixth and seventh defenseman, and I have Peterson is the twelfth forward. Um, that gives them twenty-one players. They don't have room for any more players than that. Um, that was, I think, a lot of what the the delay in getting McLeod and Bouchard signed this summer. I think they had in mind originally a number that was, you know, about 400,000 less, which would have allowed them to carry a 22nd player. I I think that was really the plan was to carry a 22nd player. Um, You know, maybe if you want to get into that more later, but I know like some of the other contracts that got signed before Bouchard signed, pushed his number up. And then it was, that dream was kind of dead. So now they have 21 players with 382,500 of cap space. um, If that's how they start and so, yeah, could Lavoie be on that roster instead of Peterson? Yeah, basically, any anyone could be that twelve forward. Anyone that the Oilers currently have could be that twelve forward. Um, so Lavoie has a eight hundred seventy four thousand cap hit. So, so it's a hundred thousand more than Lane Peterson. So that means if that, he was on the roster instead of uh, Peterson, and you know they'd have a seven hundred eighty two thousand, uh, so two hundred eighty two thousand of cap space instead of three hundred eighty two thousand. Right. So either way, they're only going to have room for that 21st player. I'm, I'd am i be shocked if they didn't go with seven defensemen. So it's really that 12th forward that's that's that they're looking at. I mean, knock on wood, they've, they've avoided injury all training camp. But if they had some injuries, I mean, that would really make things tricky for them. Um, given how tight they are, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at some point this season they have to do what they did last year, which is not even have enough cap space to call up enough healthy skaters and have to play short for a game before then, they can tap into the emergency recall rules. So, it's going to be tight for them. The big difference between this year and last year is this year they're so far they're going to be an under the cap team, which means they accrue cap space during the season. Whereas the last several years with Kluckbaum injured, um, they were an LTIR team. So, what that really means is when you're an LTIR team, however much cap space you have, that's how much space you have. It doesn't grow each day. But when you're under the cap, cap space is accrues every day of the season. So, for example. Um, 382,500 if that was the roster um, that started the season if they didn't make any roster moves um, until the trade deadline that would actually grow and by the trade deadline they could add almost 1.8 million of annual cap it to the, team, to the roster so it really grows and adds um, so I don't think you'll ever see them with like a whole bunch of extra healthy guys that are healthy scratches I mean, first of all, they don't have the cap space, but even if they could, they'd rather go leaner and build up some cap space and be able to do more at the deadline. So unlike past years, where really however much cap space Holland had, you know, at Christmas, it wasn't going to change by the trade deadline. This year, the Oilers could really, maybe they might even have deals ready to go and they might have to wait like a few more days just to build up a little bit of extra cap space.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Uh so we've got a question from uh I was talking about Lotsey, who's uh he's joining us in a little yeah. bit and and uh, he's pretty good with the stats usually for writing for heavyhockey.com. He says, Hard, I'm aware that the daily tracker is a count of salary cap hit spent per day. Does the value displayed in the cap breakdown need to be under the league cap every day of the season?
2: So that's a good question. A very specific technical question, but it's a good one. Um so Basically the answer would be no. So what, what Ryan is getting at here is so basically every, the season is made up of a, a certain number of days. This season is actually longer. It's going to be 192 days. Normally it's 185, 186 days. And so the way the salary cap actually works is like every day, there's a snapshot at 5 PM Eastern who's on the, the NHL roster, both injured and and healthy. Um and, for every player that's on the roster, you take their cap hit divided by the number of days, so in this case 192, and that's that day's uh, daily cap hit. And you add all that up at the end for 192 days, and that's the final cap hit number. Um, but the way that it works to kind of get to uh, to make sure a team is cap compliant is you take all the days that have happened so far to that point, and then you take that roster at, at that, the most recent day. And you project that is going to be the roster for the end of this till the rest of the season for the remaining number of days. And so, because of that formula and whether you're prorating, um, Saran's question no, a team could actually, if they accrue enough cap space early in the season, they could then have days where the roster, the annual cap hit of that roster is over the, the salary cap for subsequent days. So, for example, if a team was like, let's say they were a million dollars under the cap for On an annual basis for the first 50% of days of the season, then they could technically be 1 million over the cap every day for the second half of the season, and they'd end up right at the cap. So that's why that's basically all goes into where I was just given that math on how cap space accrues. So for every day you're under the cap and you're building up cap space. You know, now you're prorating uh, the annual cap it for the remaining, remaining number of days, and, that's, and that will allow you to be over the cap for those days. So, hopefully, uh, Ron, you can weigh in and make sure I, I answered your question, but I think that's what you're getting at.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't fully aware of that. I didn't, I didn't understand that completely. Dash, I've got a couple more questions, but maybe I'll pass it over to you. I'm sure you've got a couple yourself.
1: For me, I was actually uh, wanting to pick your brain on something that I couldn't really fully understand last year. It centered around the LTIR for the Oilers. Okay. When we had you know Smith, et cetera, Clefbaum, Um I heard it mentioned several times that it handcuffed Holland in a way that he had to wait until the offseason to really make his moves as opposed to be able to doing something at the trade deadline like he may have traditionally wanted to. What was the difference in why he could make his moves more ease off season versus in season because of that LTIR handcuff?
2: Um, okay, um, so I I think I touched on this a little bit. Just the difference between being an LTIR team and an under the cap team. So when you're an LTIR team, cap space does not accrue. So if when the Oilers were an LTIR LTIR last year. Um let's say when Kane was added to LTIR, right? And they had a lo- like some extra space, but that space doesn't build up. So as soon as Kane is back, like that space is gone. And every day they didn't use the space, it's like ice that melts. It's gone. You can't take it to the- a future day. Whereas like this season as an under the cap team, um they are every day that they don't use this 382,000 of cap space. um, They'll actually, it'll build up and they can accrue and they can use more. So when Holland's saying last year, he, he was having like, didn't have much flexibility. That's because as, as an LTIR team, like cap space wasn't building up and, and it was dollar in dollar out. Um, the other, the other point to that is the way that you sort of set your LTIR pool. Like a lot of people think that LTIR means that that injured player comes off your cap and you get to like, it's all free cap space and it doesn't work that way. It's all about um, like basically the moment you officially enter LTR, you have to capture it. And there's two ways to to do it. But the way like the Oilers had to do it the last couple of years is basically however much they were over the cap when they started the season um, with the players on LTR, that was their pool. So the Oilers wow. last year, they they maneuvered the roster in a way which teams do to get as close to, as possible to like get as close, utilize as much of that LTIR as possible. So basically they could be over the cap by as much as Smith plus Klopp Right. And they got the roster within a few thousand dollars of that, but that then sets their LTIR pool, which means like, now they have zero cap space. So however much they were over the cap when they submitted that opening roster, that is now their cap limit for as long as they're, those players are still on LTIR and they officially have zero cap space. And so for more, most of the season, the Oilers had literally $0 of cap space Um, and, it, and uh, not like zero would grow, but even if it was $1, that could maybe grow. Right. But in LTR, it doesn't grow. It's stuck at that amount. Uh-huh. So that's, that was part of the handcuff. The other hand, Cuff, which is actually sort of the opposite of maybe what you're mentioning from Holland is teams can only be over the key teams can go over the cap in the summer by 10% over the cap, right? I'm sure you've heard that, but LTIR isn't factored into that. So you can either use LTIR in the summer, which really limits how much you can optimize that calculation, or you can be 10% over the cap. So let's, so last year for the Oilers in the summer, they could be 10% over the cap. So that, you know, that was 10% of 82 and a half million. Or uh, they could be over by as much as Cloughwam and Smith, which was almost the same amount, which was like eight million right so they, he didn't have as much summer flexibility as other teams and I and I not this is not I'm not confirming this it's just like spec my guess. you know there was rumors last summer about them trying to trade for Connor Brown out of Ottawa, and I really think that the reason they couldn't do it is they just didn't have the offseason cap space to do it they and in fact, Washington traded for him. And to do that, they did have to put um, Nick Backstrom on a summer LTIR, which really limited their how much LTIR they captured. It actually cost them about two, about two and a half or three million of cap space, from what I remember, because they had to commit to that LTR number in the summer instead of um, on the opening day of the season where they could really optimize it. So that, that is the, the, the harm or one of the challenges when you're in LTIR. You lose summer flexibility and you also don't gain as much flexibility in season. That makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not so uh like apparent right away when you're <laughs> when you're just looking at it and trying to understand where all this money is coming from and why, you know, certain teams look like they're over the cap and other teams don't. Uh now I I mean I'm I'm just sitting here, I'm listening to you, and I'm wondering like five years ago were you a cap geek then? <laughs> and did you just yeah. like you know how many other cap geeks are there are, are there out there? I mean like what happened here that made you decide that uh being a guy that understands cap like the salary cap in the n h l was was the way to Park was a cap geek yeah in the no. womb.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're kind of born that way yeah. no i mean um yeah, I was really into like the, the cap calculations and numbers and everything like. Way before I started the website. That's why I started the website. Um, yeah, originally my schooling is I, I'm an accountant or background as an accountant, so obviously I like numbers. Um, but when the cap came in um in out of the lockout in 05, 06, like the first seller cap site that I remember was called nhlnumbers.com. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on there and I remember my co-workers like at the accounting firm asking me. You know, could the Oilers trade for Sergei Samsonov? Right? How's that going to work? So I was just always, yeah, into the numbers. A huge hockey fan, and um, and that's was I, I like watching uh, on the ice, but I also really like figuring out what 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 uh, teams could do. And I think, like most fans, like you always think, or you you think you might be smarter than the gym, or you at least want to like think about different scenarios. And really, since the salary cap came in, it's not about like which player is better; it's about like how can you make it all fit in the cap, right? It's all about getting players to fit and how good are players relative to their cap it. So to me, it's just, that's what kind of being into hockey means is, is like knowing and and understanding the salary cap. And I got to a point where I, you know, I really had such a passion for it and I wanted to do something a little bit in the hockey world. And I, there's definitely been some great uh, cap sites out there, but I found, you know, now this is six, seven years ago as a fan, um, they were a little intimidating for more of a casual fan. Like my, my friends were asking me for questions and I'd refer them to these sites and they'd say, oh, that's too complicated for me, right? So I wanted something that was a little bit more accessible to all fans while still being obviously accurate and and, and being a good resource for more hardcore people. But I also wanted to, to bring in more information. Like, so again, when I was working and wasting time, I'd have a salary cap site open in one tab you know, I'd have hockey DB open in another tab to see the stats. And, like, I'd like to see all the trade histories, who got traded for who, and all that happened. I'd have another site open, like, for, you know, analytics to, in those days, like Corsi and stuff, right? Um, I'd have to go to, like, TSN for injury news. And I thought, like, this is crazy, right? This is too many different places This should just all be in one place. So that that was also part of the vision for the site, is just have all that in one place. So most fans, they can just go to one site and, see most of what they're looking for. I mean, so that's why we literally, all those things we mentioned, I mentioned, that's why it's all on the site um, because the, the, business plan for the site was I'll, I'll build a site that I want to use and then hopefully other people will want to use it too. So um, basically everything on the site, it's because I'm interested in it and, and uh, yeah, I, I want to know that information and I don't want to have to go anywhere else to see it. So. Yeah,
0: well, we're interested too. So we've got a question from one of our uh, longtime uh, viewers and, and listeners, uh, some stranger, <laughs> that's his uh, username. He asks, uh, so how does the Connor Brown contract work? in in Lotsburg, uh, Lotsburg, he added to that he said um, like how is the uh, brown performance bonus going to work for next year if he meets the 10 game played clause
2: yeah so there's okay only certain players that are eligible for um, performance bonuses so there's three types of players the most common that we all see are players on entry level deals right so um, when you sign your first contract you can have a deal with performance bonuses it can be either for playing number of games or it can be for what are called like a categories and that's, you know, a certain number of goals, assists, points, um, block shots, all that kind of stuff. Um, the other category are players that are over 35 on a one year deal. And you've seen some of those, those contracts before. Um, and the third category, which doesn't get talked about as much is it's basically for uh, veteran players that have been injured and are basically trying to make a bit of a comeback. It's, so it's technically players that have played 400 games um, and they're going to sign a one year deal. And in the last season, they spent at least 100 days of the season on injured reserve. So last year was 185 games or days. And so did someone spend, you know, just over half of that on injured reserve? And so Connor Brown, since he got injured, you know, the first few games of the season qualifies for that. Uh, Max Pacioretty, um qualifies for that as well, uh, who signed in Washington. Um, and so because he's a lot of top performance bonuses, it's just like any uh like a 35 plus performance bonus. It can really be for any category whatsoever. The most common is games played, but it could be for goals. It could be for wins. It could be for um, cup performance. So Mike Smith often had those in his last couple contracts because he was over 35 and his were usually for uh, how many games he started um, and how far they went in the playoffs. And if he like, and if he start, it was like every round he would get a bonus. If he started half the games in that round, different things like that. So Um, that's how it works. But specifically for Connor Brown, his is, um, it's, I mean, it's really just designed to get him his bonus. It's, you know, he gets the entire bonus when he plays 10 games, 3.225 million. So once he plays 10 games, he gets 3.225 million. Um, And the way that bonuses work for the salary cap is bonuses, actually performance bonuses. They actually aren't considered until the end of the season. So his bonus or, You know, if Broberg hit a a bonus, none of that matters during the season. So it doesn't affect the current year cap situation, which is part of the reason why they're attractive. But what happens then at the very end of the season, you take the the team's final cap hit number. So like I talked about earlier, every day you've added up the cap hit, you take that total number. Then you add in all the performance bonuses that were earned. Um, and then when you compare that to this final, the salary cap number, in this case, 83 and any amount over that is going to be the performance bonus overage for the next season. So um, like the last couple of years, when the Oilers were in LTIR, that means that they were over the salary cap just by definition of LTIR, they were over the salary cap. And so therefore, all the performance bonuses that were earned actually became a, an overage automatically, right? Because they would, like last year, they were, you know, $88 million final cap hit, Then you add in all the bonuses. Well, that's definitely over the $82.5 million cap. And actually for the Oilers, I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but for the Oilers, it was really interesting because Bouchard looked like he wasn't going to make most of his bonuses last year. But after they traded Tyson Berry, you know, he went on that real tear after the trade line with, with points and it actually came down to game 82. He scored a goal and that got him to both 40 points which earned him four hundred, which earned him two hundred and twelve thousand five hundred, and it got him to point four nine points per game, which earned him another two hundred and twelve thousand five hundred. So that goal in game eighty two got him four hundred twenty five thousand dollars of bonuses, which became a cap charge for the Oilers this year. So it really, it really can add up, right? So if you look at the Oilers page now, I mean, you'll see, you'll see their their cap situation, and at the bottom, it shows the um, carryover bonus overage. Which is eight hundred fifty thousand, which was all all Bouchard, everything that he earned. Which you know, so the Oilers, back to the original um, comment, Michael, they could uh, they could add a twenty second player if Bouchard had not scored in Game eighty two last year. (laughs) So it all ties together. (laughs) Bouchard again.
0: (laughs) Bouchard again. (laughs) Bouchard again. Yeah. yeah uh no that's awesome and in fact uh the cap summary projection which is what uh hart's talking about there is um is really quite eye-opening and that's and that's what we'll have uh what we'll see in the 2024 2025 uh assuming connor brown makes his 10 games which um which, which it should, which he should
2: hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I would feel bad for him if he doesn't get to 10 games again. But I mean, that's the thing for the Oilers now. They really, it's a, you know, they took, they're using a tool to their advantage. But if the cap goes up from 83.5 to 87.5 million next year, 88 million, I mean, that's pretty much all gone now with Connor Brown's bonus over that he's going to have, right? Yeah. And then, you know, I don't think, i be, I would be pleasantly surprised if Broberg gets his bonus, but you know, maybe Dylan Holloway hits some of his bonuses, right? So you could be looking at, you know, three, three and a half million in, in bonus overages. I mean, so one thing for the Oilers, as we, uh, you know, just to kind of finish that other conversation too, about LTIR versus being under the cap. So this season though, because they're an under the cap team, they're not going to necessarily be right at the E three and a half in the season end. So let's say they finish at, you know, uh, uh, a million under the cap and brown earns his bonus well then only 2.225 is going to be the overage for next season right so however much cap space they finish the year with that that will come out of what their overage will be for next season so again i i think they're so tight they don't they're not going to really have a chance to um kind of save cap space but if you ever got to a point where they did have some extra guys like you could see them sending guys down and just trying to build up cap space at the end of the year just to have less of a a cap charge for the overage for next season. Yeah. Let's be honest, even if
1: Connor Brown gets to seven or eight games healthy, they're going to put them together with popsicle sticks and crazy glue and duct tape (laughs) for games eight, nine, and 10.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's interesting to see that he gets it all for 10 games, right? Like there's a lot of these bonuses. It's to get so much at 10 and 20 and 30 and 40, but they're really just like, all right, we're going to give you $4 million and this is how we're going to break it down so we can afford you, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: no, that's, uh, that's great. That's good information. Um, You know, I've got, um, I've got one question and and then dash, if you you got one last, last one uh, for heart before we go, but one thing I'm kind of curious about, and this is maybe, you know, you don't have to take too long on it, but as I look at all of these, um, all of these stats and everything, and I look at say the cap summary projection uh, for the Oilers where, you know, we're going out four years in this, in these projections. Whereas in 20, 2026, 2027, you look at, you know, twenty twenty five million, which I assume just means that after all the contracts are then and gone, you know, that's what's left uh, in 2026. Have you started to do now that you've done this and I don't know how long you've been looking at the numbers, but have you started to look at what you know, just from a numbers game. I mean, there's all sorts of folks out there looking at the analytics uh, from a player perspective. But if you started to use any of these numbers for analytics from a like a team perspective, like, you know, when we put our team together Four years from now, we want to be at 25% cap projection because we know that's what we're going to need from, you know, a typical aging roster, but, you know, it just as an example, but have you, have you done any of that? Or people come to you and said, Hey, I want to use your information to do stuff like this, uh, any yeah, teams, so- you
2: know, that are doing this today. Yeah, there's definitely teams doing this, <clears throat> and there's teams doing it with like um, like my contract data that I supply with them. So I know that this is very common with with team analytics people. Um, I know, like, just one thing I've noticed as you talk about building rosters a little bit further out, the approach for how the approaches differs for some teams. Like, we know that the cap is going to jump significantly now over the next few years, right? Um, I think, you know, you look out at the Oilers in 26-27, they only have four contracts. But if you look at next year, they have 15 contracts and it's like their most important guys. And even the following season, they have nine contracts and it's a lot of important guys. If you compare that to a team like the Leafs before Austin Matthews signed, they basically had nobody signed after this season, right? Um, So they signed Matthews, but they still have to sign uh, Nylander and Marner's up the year after. Um, I think their only long-term guy was really Riley and they had Yarncroft for a couple of years, right? So I think that when the cap is going up significantly, it is a if you have good players signed to contracts, it's a pretty big advantage to have your player basically having players signed to numbers like in a low 80 million dollar cap environment when the cap is now like 90 million plus, right? Where a team like the Leafs, they it's a trade-off. They certainly created lots of flexibility for themselves, right? Like the Oilers. For the last couple of years have basically been locked into this roster right because they signed these long-term deals they haven't had a lot of flexibility so the Leafs certainly have flexibility like they can blow things up after the season and they could go after anybody because they don't have much much cap commitments but the flip side of that is now they're signing guys you know in an 88 million dollar cap environment or ca- uh, salary cap environment in a 90 plus m- uh, million dollar cap environment so it's expensive it's basically like you know do, do you want to pay get a mortgage now with high interest rates or did you get your mortgage a couple of, a year ago when the rates are much lower, right? And so the Oilers I do think have an advantage for the next two seasons. Well well, like one, yeah, two seasons, I would say. I mean one with dry side all right, but um that they they're paying, you know, prices from a lower cap. Um and other teams are, I think you'll people will be shocked at some of the contracts handed out like next summer and the year after when all of a sudden teams it's like they have monopoly money to spend, which they haven't been able to spend for many years. Yeah. Dash. It,
1: I wasn't going to ask this, but now that you just said that, what is the max percentage of the cap that you can pay to one player? Like what should we expect Connor McDavid to make next year or, in, or sorry, not the max year, is,
2: in three, the max like. is 20%. Um, I don't think Connor will take 20%. I mean, you know, the story goes from when he signed his current contract, he was going to sign for 13.25 and he went back to the team and said, I think that's too much. I'm going to reduce it to twelve and a half." Right. So, I mean, by the time Connor is due for a new contract, so he's got, you know, uh, three years left. So in 26, 27, you know, the cap could be close to a hundred million dollars. Is he going to take a 20 million million dollar cap? It, I just, I, he, is he worth it? Of course, but will he? I just, it doesn't seem like, his style doesn't seem like hockey player style. We saw a couple players take max cap hits at the very beginning of the salary cap. Um, I think Jaeger's contract, just because it was grandfathered in, was I, when Brad Richards signed, I think it was like mm-hmm. a $7.8 million cap hit. That was 20%. I think it's only been 23 I mean, like in also, the history
1: of the league, hasn't there?
2: Yeah. I mean, if Austin Matthews didn't just sign for it when he could have probably, I mean, I just don't think. I just don't think it's going to happen now, but that is the maximum point. It's 20% of like the, of the current cap situation. So for example, Austin Matthews, like what he signed for the max, he could sign for now is 20% of 83 and If he waited until July 1st, next season, he could have signed for 20% of like 88 or eighty eight and a half million or whatever it's going to be. So, right. the, you know, if this was the NBA, I think superstars would wait and sign their contract to take the max contract but just the NHL with having to have so many players on a team and it being more of a team sport with how many players are needed to contribute. I mean, I I just don't think we'll see that. Yeah. Well, so yeah,
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Uh, maybe one last uh, question. If you got time,
0: you got time. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, So, um, you know, I, I look at all of this and then I, uh, you know, I see, yeah, salaries, um, continue to go up and, uh, like we um you know we look at dry saddle, we look at connor and and they're going, you know we talked about the you know potential for him i guess at at then twenty six twenty seven to to reach that uh, twenty million dollar mark um is there a um like what what's the um the inflation rate on these top players right now. Have you done have you done the numbers on that? I'm 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 like curious what year over year, you know, the top players are making uh on average, right? Like maybe the third of the the league, you know, as as we get to uh like um, uh, you know, free agency day. Um You know how how does that look? You're probably pretty
1: linear with what the cap is going up with. Yeah, Yeah,
2: that's exactly right. Dash, I was gonna say with, I mean, we went from I think it's been four years since we first got to eighty two and a half million, so it's gone up, you know, or eighty one and a half million, so it's gone up two year two million in basically four years, and so yeah, they've really been flat for the most part, um, especially since when like that COVID year, teams just had no cap space because they weren't anticipating it. Um, and I really think that teams expected this season it to go up by more than a million. So teams had less cap space than they expected. Um, so we really haven't seen much like when you're looking at player comparables and, and trying to predict for free agent players. I mean, in the past, you'd have to put a factor in like, you know, th- he's, a, he's comparable to this player, but now the cap is. 5% more than it was when he signed. But you haven't had to do that the last several years. So we haven't seen that. I would say this summer, though, was the first time you started to see a little bit of that increase, players signing longer-term deals, especially players signing extensions that don't start till next season. You're starting to see, like if you compared the players, they are getting paid more than that same type of player would have been paid like last year. So we're starting to see it, but it's been pretty slow. And it's not so much like what players are worth. It's just a function of team cap space. Then um, there just there just has been such a lack of cap space because you like you look at yeah there's a lot of teams close to the cap but we had 15 teams that had bonus overages from last season that are like so you think that the salary cap is 83 and this year but for 15 teams they didn't really start at 83 and a they started at less because they had bonus overages yeah. that eat into it we had I think we had. 19 teams that use ltir at some point last year so 19 teams were actually over 82 and a half million cap last year right so there's just like no space and you know using LTIR, it it basically takes away cap space from next year often and like we talked about it's limited um it's not like just free cap space so yeah it's it's been tight i but like to my earlier comment i do think when it jumps the next two summers we'll see some crazy contracts which means i think that the Cap space will get chewed up pretty quickly because the you know the the money will be burning a hole in the GM's pockets. I mean, the the comparable that I can think of is uh, the NBA. Number of years ago, they had a new TV deal and the cap jumped like crazy, and all these like basically bench players were making all sign these contracts that one summer that were more than what like star players were getting. And by the next summer, there was literally no cap space in the whole league, and the market was like frozen. Um, And I don't think that. NHL GMs are immune from from that type of situation. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's
0: great. Uh, well, well, not great. <laughs> <laughs> well, depends yeah. which team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: there, I think there's more and more and more, especially over the last couple of years and going forward. There's more and more of an advantage of teams that man, to advantage two teams that manage their cap situation the best. Like, look at Carolina. How many players do they basically get for free because they have cap space? They're not afraid to let players walk if. They're going to make too much for what they think they're worth. And they get, you know, Burns and they got patch ready. You know, they get basically free players. They, they signed um, um, they signed players like every summer to reasonable deals because they wait or they don't go for the top of the market, right? Um, so it, there's a real advantage of teams like that. I mean, look at the Oilers contract situation now. There's not that. There's not really any bad contracts on the team, right? Like, is Fogel a little overpaid, maybe? But there's really no. There, you look through it, and CC, depending, is he a first? If he's a first-line defenseman, it's a great contract. If he's a third-line defense, third pairing defenseman, it's a terrible contract. But you look back to the last couple of years, like that hasn't been the case, right? Like they had to ditch Pulleyarvi, that did basically lose and to get rid of Yamamoto couple of years ago, they were healthy scratching or sending to the minors like Neil and Chase on at these big contracts, right? So, you know, they suffered for that. Now, I think after a few years and washing some of that away, they, this is, in, in my time watching the team, it's probably the most efficient cap sheet they've had. Mm-hmm. And let's see if they can keep it that way. I mean, like I'd say a team like New Jersey um, has a very efficient cap situation. And to me, Florida. that's no surprise that all of a sudden they got really good because... They made a lot of good, smart moves. They had room to sign a guy like Dougie Hamilton, you know, maybe a little overpriced, but they, that was, if you're going to overpay, overpay for, you know, a, a star player and they keep making moves. Like they got to Foley, they, you know, they can keep adding because they've been efficient with their cap situation. So I think it's a real weapon and the teams that just eyeball it and use like a pad of paper and, and don't, you know, just hope that the cap's going to work out. I think they're they're in a real real mess. I mean, I I think that Ottawa, for example, they've done a really good job signing these young guys to long term deals, and I think over the next couple of years, I think that's going to look really good. But I I don't think they managed the cap situation this summer very well when they can't sign Pinto to a contract without without now you know you're hearing teams want like a first round pick to take Matthew Joseph. I mean, he's not a star player, but in Any other situation, you could at least give them away or you'd get some asset for them. But because they back themselves into a corner, um, they have no no opportunity. I mean, you know, this summer, Ken Holland, he had to make it work, but he cleared his cap space first. And then he signed um, McLeod and Bouchard into that cap space and still had a little bit left over. Not as much as he wanted, but he left himself some outs, right? So I think now Ottawa is really going to pay. They're either going to have to trade Pinto or they're going to have to give up valuable assets. I mean, they just waived two former top prospects Um, you know people don't think Bernard Docker he's more in the suspect territory but you know still they're they're, they lost Lassie Lassie Thompson they might lose Bernard Docker Um, Sokolov is another player that might get claimed here tomorrow and to me that's just cap mismanagement and it's not a surprise because you hear the stories under the previous ownership where there was like no front office it was just like Dorian basically by himself with no support um so, you know, it it it, it takes a real skill set to manage that, man, and I think it's a real asset. Yeah. Yeah. Dash, any last words uh, for Hart? A couple quick hits there. Yeah,
1: I think the Panthers have managed their cap pretty well, as, and Matthew Kachuk mm-hmm. is on a hell of a deal. Mm-hmm. CC might not be on that great of a deal for us, but the thing is is that his value of his replacement has gone up in the meantime. So, you know, you try to get mm-hmm. somebody for that equal value, and, and I don't think you're going to be able to and do I- that.
2: I think he's pretty tradable. I mean, if he if he plays like last season, maybe not so much, but the word is he was hurt. So if he's even, you know, somewhere between last season and his first season, I think that's pretty tradable. And I mean, if they're going to upgrade this team to me, it's they need a number 1 right shot defenseman and part of how they can make the space is moving CC out to do that, right? Cuz he doesn't make sense on your third pair if you can do better but I don't think he has negative value. Right. I mean, I think, right. I, I I know last year they, I think they probably tried to include him instead of Barry, you know, when they were bringing in a big defenseman and I just, yeah, he probably didn't have the value, but I think, you know, halfway through the season, if he's partway to where he was two years ago, I think he has some value. So yeah, I think, I, I think they're in a pretty good shape to add potentially I agree. better than last year. Yeah.
1: Appreciate the chat. Thanks.
2: My pleasure. Yeah,
0: it was really great having you on, Hart. Uh, as always, um, maybe just uh, before you go, we'll let everybody know where they can uh, find you, whether it's Twitter. Yeah. Obviously, we know where to get you on, on the web at puckpedia.com. But,
2: uh, yeah. And then uh, the anything website, else you puckpedia, want to Go to the website, puckpedia.com, on Twitter at puckpedia. I started a Threads account, um, puckpedia, <laughs> but I've kind of lost the lost that a little bit. But maybe if there's more action on there, I'll get back on there. Um, yeah, watch for some, uh, updates here. Um, first thing, the first exciting thing, well, for me anyways, uh, towards the end of the week will be my second annual crack at trying to, um, uh, predict how teams will set their rosters to optimize their LTIR. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a puzzle trying to move the pieces around to optimize the LTIR capture. So I'll put that out a few days before the rosters get announced. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully, pretty soon you'll see uh, a little bit of a refreshed look to the site. It makes it a little easier to get around and, and see things. And uh, yeah, really excited about the partnership with PuckDoku. Um, you'll see some integrations on that. Like you'll, if the Oilers are the team um, on PuckDoku that day, you'll see a little note when you go to the Oilers page, and you'll see like a little link to to play today's puzzle. Um, but if you haven't played that, uh, I suggest you check it out. PuckDoku.com. I'm sure once you start playing it um, like me, first thing I do when I open my eyes, I even if I'm not fully awake, I start playing that day's puzzle. So similar to Puckpedia, I, I wanted to get involved in Puckdoga because I thought I was like the number one fan of it and number one user. So um, I wanted to be a part of it as well. Right on. Right on. Th- thanks so much for having me
0: on. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I appreciate you being there. This is uh, Oilers Live from the Heavy Hockey Network. Uh, you're listening to Heavy Hockey at Night. Proud to be a friend of Edmonton Sports Talk, and we'll be right back. Join Devin, Bruce, and the rest of the Fantasy Hockey Hacks right here on Edmonton Sports Talk Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Mountain or tune in at youtube.ca slash heavyhockey and make sure you like and subscribe. Looking for a hockey fix? We've got editorials, fantasy hockey, monthly brackets, and more. Go to heavyhockey.com. Hey, 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 it's Oilers Live Tuesdays. A regular 9 p.m. Mountain Time, now streamed live on EdmontonSportstalk.com or tune in at youtube.ca/slash heavy hockey. Make sure you subscribe.
1: Oilers Live Podcasts!
0: Want hockey podcasts? Tough Call podcast, 99 Forever podcast, fantasy hockey hacks, and replays of Oilers Live, available anywhere you get podcasts. Just search for Heavy Hockey Network or go to heavyhockey.com. That's right. We need your help. We need your subscriptions. Make sure you subscribe at www.youtube.ca slash heavyhockey.
1: Slide podcast slide podcast.
0: Hey, 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 we're back. Uh, that was a great uh, first segment with uh, Hart Levine from puckpedia.com a couple of uh, housekeeping items uh, for those of you uh, tuning in right now there's a live chat that occurs on our YouTube channel you can interact with us at youtube.ca slash heavy hockey while you're there please give us a subscription subscribe all of this is brought to you by the heavy hockey Network which can be found at heavyhockey.com now Dash and I welcome to Oiler's live Tuesday. Not for his inaugural show, because he's been on Oilers Live Tuesday Lots, but this is the first time he's been on EdmontonSportsDoc.com. Uh, you got big, uh, big shoes to, to follow there, uh, lotzi Welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I know I know, it's a tough act to follow, for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, it's good, uh, good to see you, and I, um, I guess it, while it's had to have been at least uh, four or five weeks, we were having you on just about every week for a while.
3: Yeah, I had a good little run there, but you guys have had some uh, much more entertaining and interesting guests in the meantime. So happy to take a backseat to those guys. Yeah, well,
0: I'm on every week, of Thanks though.
3: Yeah, yeah uh, me too. <laughs> me too. <Yeah.
2: laughs>
0: so we got uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, switch gears from all the salary cap to- uh, talk. Although that was, um, I mean, that was fascinating. I like. Uh, Hard is, uh, he's a cap guy, obviously, he, you know, he used to do, I don't know if he still does, but he used to do like a weekly mailbag on, on Puckpedia or something to that effect. Uh, And he certainly knows his stuff.
1: He clearly wasn't boring enough to be a real accountant.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) I mean, if
1: you're going to be into numbers, I mean, you might as well be into hockey numbers. You could fill two internets with what I don't know about cap space and what hard well knows, i like learned some things today right like yeah. I,
0: the ltir piece was always a bit of a mystery to me i knew it was simple but i never took the time to get to know it and
1: the um kappa Cruel is quite neat yeah it? i just always knew we were handcuffed i just didn't really
3: truly understand why but yeah, yeah like I, I dug into a lot of the ltir stuff over the past few years and just doing articles just trying to wrap my head around it too and like it took a lot of research and a lot of trial and error and failure and some articles. I made myself look dumb in a few, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting stuff for sure.
1: Well, good thing you're the heavy hockey Oracle and made yourself look pretty friggin' brilliant (laughs) in a few too, buddy.
3: That's right. That's (laughs) right. We'll finds a nut sometimes, right? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) You you know,
0: uh, heart's pretty accessible. So if you ever have any, any questions for him, he's, he's usually pretty happy to help and, and uh, yeah. go through that. I I had him on the show. He I he said what it's five years. I I had him on Oilers Live pretty much right when he started. Now uh, a friend of the show, a, a fellow by the name of SPR, came across uh, Hart. Actually, I think it was uh, Kelly from Beer League Heroes and SPR. Mm-hmm. They said, "Hey, there's this guy Hart Levine, and he's made this new website." And they said, "You should get him on the on the podcast." And uh, at the time. Uh, I think you know. I had maybe a couple thousand followers on on Twitter, and and Hart had like four or five hundred followers. And um, oh. now I am still at a couple thousand followers, and Hart's at like forty thousand followers. So, but you, you know, gave him he, the heavy hockey bump. That's <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, I wish I could give myself the heavy hockey bump because <laughs> uh, um, uh, Hart's done really well for himself. And you know what? When you put out a good a good product, then you know what you are talking about. Um than that's expected. So good things. Uh, good on you. Yeah. Uh guys, let's talk some uh Oilers Camp. And uh we're we are a week and a day away from the season opener. Let's get, let's get, get on close. with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, are you guys getting excited? Oh yeah. Yeah, let's Absolutely. get on with the good stuff. Anything less yeah. than the best is a felony, said Vanilla. I just want to <laughs> see some games that count now.
0: So uh Oilers news today, of course. Um uh Borgo was sent uh was sent on loan to the Condors. Uh thoughts on Borgo and uh his camp uh for today. Maybe uh Lottie, you want to start us off?
3: Yeah, sure. I uh, I thought Borgo had a better camp than last year for sure. It's nice to see him snipe a couple goals against Seattle, like really good composure on the rush, finishing that chance. Like he had to go backhand on that too. like That's a really tough to corral a rebound on the backhand and have the composure to mm-hmm. hit the empty net with that. So that was a nice little play, and then that was a, a rocket one-timer on that little pass from Broberg for the second one. So it's good to see some skills starting to emerge, and hey, he makes a lot of little subtle plays along the wall in his own zone too, to try to get pucks out, and He makes subtle little plays to create space for himself in the neutral zones. Like he does a lot of little things really well. So he's a player I'm excited to watch his development this year.
0: Yeah. And, you know, on that goal, that that first goal that he scored, um, you know, I thought what, uh, you know, what showed, you know, that he's a goal scorer is just the way that he held up and, and went right into the right spot, right? Like a lot of guys continue, like myself, if I'm out there, I continue to the net, right? But he put the brakes on just just the right amount, so he stays in the slot, uh, and he's there right for the perfect rebound and, and uh, dumping that puck in. And it was good to see Broberg uh, and and him connect for another one. That was a beauty. I thought that all uh, oh,
3: that was. That I mean, goal. Todd McLellan yeah. always talked about guys arriving on time. That's exactly that. Like instead of just crashing the net hard, he he arrived in the slot at the right time to put that puck in. So that was great. Oh, good. Good
0: one. Bringing in McClellan. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Arriving on time. I forgot about that. Oh man. I love that. Love that. Go back to Aikens
1: and chop wood, carry water if we want here as (laughs) well. That's right.
0: That's right. Let's, (laughs) let's bring them all up. We should have like, uh, yeah, you know, we could do it. We could do a shirt with something like that. Some heavy hockey gear with, uh, every coach's favorite saying. Yeah, chop
1: wood. I love that one too. Or like Jay Woodcroft's favorite saying, I love heavy hockey. All right, well, we know. <laughs> it goes without saying. <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, I thought Borgo played a pretty decent camp for sure. Uh, maybe as advertised a little. Uh, what I liked was a bit surprising to me how well he went to the tough areas. Um, I think he's a little more greasy than I thought. I would have loved to have seen him come out of the puck. A little bit more often in those greasy areas. Like I, I didn't love his one-on-one compete. Um, that said, it's preseason. I'm not going to put a lot into that. Ultimately, um, I like that he has a shooter's mentality. I, I think that you know if you're going to be playing on this team, you're not a fourth line player with Borgo's skill. Um, you're not likely going to be playing on the power play for the next six years. So you're probably going to have to contribute five on five on a top six to nine role. And if you're going to do that, you got to shoot. Um, I think a lot of rookie players can um, show error in, in deferring too much, you know, like always trying to make sure that you're getting the puck to make David and dry sidle and it becomes predictable to the other teams. So, um, you know, we saw that with Kane a little bit and, and growing a little bit with Hyman where just, just go and they'll find you. Um, But yeah, you know, he he took a bird to the bake after the last game. And I think that was as expected. This last spot was never really up for grabs for him. It was between Peterson, uh, Lavoie and, well, I guess Sutter or Gagné and they're out of the picture. So um, yeah, I I think as advertised and, you know, looked like a young player that uh, had a good count
0: yeah two other players that got uh, sent down or or put on waivers I guess for purpose of reassignment uh, of course uh, Seth Griffith who's been around the league now or been around the team for a couple of years and James Hamblin same thing uh, I don't know about you guys but i I love watching Hamblin play like he me just, too you just know what you're gonna get all the time and he's the kind Strew of guy I love that he's in the system right like he's you know he's I don't think he'll ever be a regular on the team and, and maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but um, he certainly, you know, he just kind of brings his own game and I'm, I'm never upset with the way he plays.
1: Uh, I can Stoffer is- say he was like 70% in the draws in the NHL
3: last year too.
0: Oh, serious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's That's decent.
3: In the NHL. Yeah. 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 Oh, easy guy to root for, for sure. A local kid, good kid, <laughs> skates hard, competes hard.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Well
0: also. Uh, and Griffith, uh, you know, very much the same. I mean, that's um, you know, he's uh that kind of kind of guy that, you know, just you kind of know what you're gonna get
1: with. HL depth.
0: Yeah. 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 And I, I like having those guys in the system, right? Um, let's talk about uh Jack Campbell. Like, should we be excited about the game he had last night? Or George is, Campbell? Or like <laughs> yeah. Or is this a uh is this another just a preseason game and, and let's not get too excited? I, th- I thought he played uh, fantastic. In fact, there was one where the puck went back to him and he made that save. Like he looked cat like. Um, you know, I, I, I love watching him play like that. Like this is the Jack Campbell we were hoping to get, at least last night was. Um, are you guys excited or are still? I mean, obviously it's preseason, but uh, where are you feeling on that?
1: I'm excited. I think uh, I think this is the Campbell we wanted last year. You know, there's always difficulty when you come across the country to a new team and a new city and a new house and a new bed and all those things that came along with you know the new pressures and getting to know new teammates and you know he, he changed his equipment. He he had a little bit more time with um, the, some goalie coaching, and you know I think that uh the more comfortable he got towards the end of the season and into the playoffs, it showed. I almost think he looks like a new goalie this preseason. Like, I, I don't want to look too much into this, right? Like, it is preseason, I'll give you that. But he looks bigger in his net. He looks more calm. He looks like he's got way less movement. Remember when we interviewed Joaquin Gage, Michael, and he said that the best games you ever play and the best saves you ever make hit you right in the chest because it means you're in the perfect spot. I kept thinking about that over and over in the game as opposed to him flopping around like Campbell of last or Billy Ranford of late, right? Like, it it would just look really calm and complete and and efficient. So um, let's not forget Jack Campbell at a 9.52 going into the All-Star break last year or two years ago with Toronto. Like, this is... Potentially, what we have is a ceiling. You know, if he takes over twenty to twenty-five of the first forty-some games, we maybe we got a Jack Campbell with a nine-fifty save percentage going into the All-Star break. What do you think, Lottie?
3: <laughs> well, I, I'd be pumped if that was the case. I think that's uh, reaching a little high, but well, uh, I said it was the ceiling. Yeah, for sure. Ceiling, ceiling, for sure. Like last year was the worst statistical season of his career by like far and away the worst that he's ever had in the NHL. And he's put in a lot of work this summer. They're working on the mental side of the game. He put in, he was training with uh, Tristan Jari and I want to say Thatcher Demko, somebody else, but working with Manny legacy, contacting Dustin Schwartz as well. So he looks a lot more calm, a lot more composed in the net. And he's looking more confident too. Like that glove save he made, I can't, it was in the third period, I believe. Mm-hmm. But he just calmly, like, just calmly went across to the net and grabbed it. gave her a little Patrick Wah, <laughs> like that was awesome to see.
1: Sixty-five yeah, to sixty-seven. I him. think a ninety-seven save percentage is pretty good. Last time I checked. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah it's not. It's not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's not terrible. I mean, you know, it's 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 tough. I mean, every year there's a story out of uh, out of camp, out of preseason that just kind of gets your heart racing. Uh, you know, last year it was Holloway, of course, and and um, I for me, the big this story this is year is, is Campbell, right? Well, Holloway actually, Holloway is a big story, no doubt, but uh, but to me, that's the story out of, of preseason this year is Campbell, uh, from a goaltending perspective. He's just been, uh, in my mind, lights out, he's had a couple of great games. Uh, but last night, I just thought he was outstanding. It was fun to, fun to watch him play. And uh, as we know, uh, over however many long years, um, it's we just don't get to see Oilers goalie steal a lot of games. Now, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing because you don't want your goalie stealing all the games, but uh, you know you want to win some uh, based on y- having the fact that you've got McDavid and Drysaddle. But once in a while, you need a goalie to steal a game and. And if we can get a goalie to do that, uh, I just the, the difference it'll make in the standings for this team will be uh, exponential. Uh, so it'd be great to see that. Uh, let's talk about, uh, so there's a couple of things left to talk about, and uh, we've got about 25 minutes left, so I think we could use that up just on these two. Um, obviously, the 12th forward is one of them. When uh, we'll get to that, maybe we'll, we'll finish off with that, but let's talk about Dylan Holloway. Here's a guy that um, I think in camp, like he has had, uh, I, I mean, last year he was confident. Uh, but it just seems like he's, ha- he's got extra confidence this year. Uh, is, he, is he ready to make a jump up to top six, do uh, you think? Or again, is this preseason excitement? And, and what do you think about the way he's played so far? Maybe we'll start with Lotzi this time.
3: Sure. I think the top six is set. So no matter how excited we are about Dylan Holloway, I, let's stop talking about him in the top six, because like, we got yeah. six guys who are cemented, set there, Like, end of discussion. H- having said that, Dylan Holloway is looking large and in charge this preseason. He is flying out there. And he. the thing I've noticed is that he wants the puck on his stick he he's competing really hard in puck battles and he's working to get the puck. And if he's open, he's calling for it. So he wants to make a difference this year and he's got the talent to do it.
0: Yeah. I I mean, when I look at him, you know, to that uh, point, it's like having, uh, you know, Yamamoto's tenacity, but uh, with a little bit more skill, right? And a little more size. Yeah, and and size, yeah, absolutely, and and so if you can get that, and he continues to play like that, he does a full season like that. Watch out! I mean, he's uh, he's a hell of a player, and um, I think you know, last year I, I I started thinking a lot more about progressions um, with players like him, uh, but I think his progression is is going to be pretty good uh, from here. Dash, your thoughts?
1: I, I would argue he's he is one of the bigger stories out of this you know you did say with goaltending perspective it's Campbell but I I think it's I've heard it said in fact and I would argue it as well from my perspective that a Dylan Holloway might be the most consistent if not the best oiler in camp um, better than 97 and 29 so that's that says a lot so you know yeah it's preseason excitement Michael of course it is um, give him the Ty Ratty award if you want for forward and we'll move on Lotsie nailed it that that's the top six, so it is what it is. um I do think there is a little bit of wiggle room in the top six though, and whether it's just guy up and down or you know giving a guy a little bit of ice time on a hot night, but it doesn't need to be Dylan Holloway that's good enough to be playing in the top six. all it needs to be is you know Connor Brown and um. Fogel having a good night to get bumped up, and then you got Nuge playing on the third line with Holloway, and geez, that's not bad. Last time I checked, so we're just we're just so deep in that top nine that I would say as long as he's got any type of scoring opportunity there, then I think that's that's great for him. Um, I don't know, I just like his he's gonna have a lot of hearts Oilers fans if he keeps playing like this and stays healthy. I'll tell you that, like he's he's growing on me and growing on me fast. He skates like Taylor hall and he hits like Justin hall. Right. Like he's, he's like this super hall built out of parts of all the lesser halls. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) so, so in Hollywood's his nickname, right? Like, let's go. I I just hope that everything comes true and and he reaches his potential.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. What, um, you know, and again, we'll talk about this 12 forward, uh, piece. Um, but I want to, uh, sort of hit some of these other areas. You know, we talk a lot about uh these guys like Holloway, uh like Campbell who you know, have had good camps and and you like what you see from them. Who that's still remaining in preseason do we need to see more out of? Dash.
1: Maybe from a statistics side Connor Brown. And you know, like the only reason I'm saying that is I've seen him play live now and I ISO cammed on him. He's fast. Like I was shocked to see him fly around the ice the way he did. So, um, when I first saw him debut against Vancouver in that game, I thought, Oh my God, he's going to score 10 points here in the next three games, the way he's. So, you know, maybe we could see a little bit more there, but I'm not sure that it matters at this point in time, or we need to see more out of anybody. Um, my honestly answer is
3: probably Stuart Skinner.
0: Yeah, okay. Latsy?
3: Yeah, Skinner's a really good one, but uh, I mean, like the top six haven't exactly been lighting it up, but I'm not concerned about those guys at yeah, all. No. Um, I think the one forward that has gotten some regular shifts in the preseason, and then that I expect to get some regular shifts in the regular season, that hasn't done a whole lot yet is Matthias Janmark. <laughs> He's I mean, you've been playing with the guys like Holloway a lot and like he's looked fast, but he just isn't really doing much of anything. Like, like I say, it's not crucial. Like I'm not really super concerned, but he's a guy I've expected a little bit more from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, f- uh, for me, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not even thinking forwards and I'm not thinking Skinner at all. I, in fact, you know, that um, one game, I mean, so many penalties, uh, that you can't really fault Skinner for that. It's hard to, hard to really go and say, you know, the goaltenders at fault for that. Um, but I'm looking at defense, right? Like, I'd love to see more out of, uh, Broberg, of course, uh, day Harnay is another guy that, um, I thought would look, uh, you know, a little bit more solid, uh, especially in camp. Given you know where he was last year, uh, like I I I expected DeHarnay to be like in my if when I put my depth chart together to be a shoe in you know, for being on the uh, on the on the third line d pair, uh, but he's not. And uh, like w- watching Gleason play, like I've loved him uh, playing, uh, you know, so far in the preseason for the Oilers, um, you know, and we haven't. Um, you know we haven't obviously got had a chance to see Ekholm or in in really see Uh Hopefully we get uh, Ekholm back uh, in time. I don't know if there's any updates on that. I haven't heard um, heard anything. I know him and McLeod were out today, but um, I really, really, really would like to see more from those guys on the D D side that um, are looking to make a spot for opening day lineup. And I think you know if there's any you know if Ekholm's not there for opening day. Right. Like these guys got something to play for. Like, if anybody's got anything to play for, it's these guys. If Kulak's not there for opening day, right? Like, I just, I just figure they'd be playing instead. The guy that I noticed the most is Gleason, who was a guy we weren't talking about before camp, right? Like, you know, and, and, um, I'm just, I, I maybe I'm a little bit disappointed. Broberg had, you know, a nice pass, uh, there to Holloway, but, you know, your camp's not made on one nice pass, right? Uh, so I'm just a little bit surprised by that.
3: Uh, I think that's totally fair on, uh, on Broberg and Darnay. On Broberg, like, he, he had a really slow start to camp. like Bad giveaways, wasn't moving his feet, like looked awful. But I think he started to pick it up the last couple games, made a couple nice rushes, started to activate in the offensive zone. That's what I've seen out of Broberg is he's starting to do some things in the offensive zone that I'm like, okay, wow, this is the Broberg I was expecting like showing off his Edward, work, walking the blue line and making that nice little shot fake while skating backwards and then skating into the corner and setting up Borgo with a perfect little backhand sauce pass. It's so like, it's like that, that Broberg's starting to show a little more confidence with, but uh, yeah, we still need to see a little more out of him on the defensive end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dash. Yeah. Still with us. <laughs> no, he can't. He can't hear us. So I guess that's
3: yeah. Well, that's I'll go it. on Darren A too. Like Darren A was doing a lot of work with uh, on puck skills in the summertime. And the thing I've noticed about him is, yeah, he's making quicker passes with the puck, but they're almost a little too quick. Like there's not a lot of method to his madness. I'm finding and it's not quite working. Like I think give him a little more time with it in game situations, give him a little more time to gain his composure and his poise. And I think he'll start getting it, but not quite there yet.
0: But you know, that's the thing though, especially for a guy like De who's got a little bit of age and maturity or should anyway. Right. Like yeah. you remember, we talked about this with Ethan bear back a few years ago when he finally came to camp ready. That's when he became, you know, a full timer with the Oilers, right? Like when he decided over over the off season that he was going to come into camp and be a hundred percent ready. That's why these guys spent, you know, an extra. Everybody was there for the captain skates, where so they could be there and a hundred percent ready. And and to your point, Latzie, I did. Like I look at DeHarnay, and I and I love the guy. Like you know, I want to see him succeed. There's just a lot of good things about him uh, when he's playing well. That I think are valuable for a a third line pairing D guy, Um, but uh, you know he's made a couple of uh, like just sort of lazy passes behind the net uh, in our zone that that uh, you know turned turned into giveaways. Um, Just some things that it just doesn't feel like he's ready. And I and it and all of that to say I'm a little bit surprised that none of these guys have really taken the bull by the horns, so to speak, and said. Like there's a chance come opening day that you know I've got a really good chance to play on the on the lineup because maybe Ekholm's not there. I mean, well they would know if he's going to play or not. I assume the players would know, but but now Kulak uh, right Kulak didn't skate. I think.
3: Yeah, right? he didn't skate today. Like it, it sounds like it's yeah. just a maintenance thing with Kulak and. Everything I'm hearing about Eckholm and McLeod is like if it was the playoffs or the regular season, they're playing. It's they're like playing I, I don't think it. they're serious injuries, and I would be very surprised if they're not in the lineup opening night.
0: Yeah, yeah. Dash, can you hear
3: us now? You're in. All
0: right, good. We're good. Good. It, what you said recently was brilliant. By the way, best two <laughs> minutes I've ever had. All right, we got we got uh, ten minutes left, guys. Let's talk about uh the the one thing that's probably everybody's question mark uh for the Oilers is 12 for the 12th forward uh since uh our last show which was 2 weeks ago uh Sutter of course has uh, uh been uh, released of the, on the PTO announced his retirement uh and uh <laughs> the, Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. I actually Sutter had a, a great career as far as careers go, uh, did really well. I'm Just um, certain folks out there thought that he was, uh, was going to make the team uh, the same day uh, that he got released. And, um, and then um, I also, um, you know, the, the other one, of course, is Sam Gagne, who, uh, you know, hasn't been able to play um, uh, throughout the preseason. And then we've got, um, of course, the two that are, I think, legitimately vying for it. And Lane Peterson and, uh, and Lavoie. Uh, what do you guys think? Maybe uh, start with you, Dash, now that you're back.
1: I think the 12 forwards name is going to be blank space on the pine bench. 11 and 7, and that's the way it's going to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah,
3: It's absolutely fair. But uh, I put a post up about this on the weekend. If you guys missed it, two players knows ahead at Oilers Camp on (laughs) (laughs) HeavyHockey.com. But uh, I've been tracking these guys' stats throughout the preseason because I'm a big nerd. And what I'm seeing is Lane Peterson, surprisingly, is leading the way in the hit count. So he, they're all at four games played right now. He's got eight hits. Lavois has got five and Ernie, Adam Ernie, who was noted for his physical presence, only has four. So that that's not good enough out of him. But the way I'm seeing it, Lane Peterson, yeah, he's hitting. He's the guy with the best fancy stats. Like his expected goals for percentage at 59.97 is head over heels above everybody else. Um, what I'm seeing for Lavoie is... His shot count's at 11 through four games, and he's out shooting Peterson by, I believe, through, through Peterson, or sorry, through Lavoie's last game, it was eight to four at even strength shots for Lavoie. So he's doing a better job of generating chances and shots in the offensive zone at five on five than Lane Peterson is. And Lavoie had played 19 minutes less ice time than what Peterson had. And he's still out shooting them by twice the amount at even strength. So I, I think there's a strong argument to be made for Lavois since how the role is predominantly going to be five on five. Peterson's been getting a lot more power play time. And I don't think that's going to be for a second unit power play because that's Ryan McLeod's role. So that might be for a job in Bakersfield running that power play. That's how I'm feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lavoie got some
3: time playing with the
1: two big dogs and he got ran through the power play a couple times too. But honestly, that's what you want a player to do and you give him that type of opportunity is to get the shots on net in the limited time that he had it. So uh, well said there, Latsy. I If I'm going to give anybody the edge, I'd like to just give it to Lavoie because I want him to get it. You know, does that make sense? Like, I mean, he just makes the yeah. most sense for a fourth line. He's got the size, he's got the punch, he's got the physicality, he's got the grit. Uh, like, I don't know. I'd rather take ten Lavoie hits in a back to back than Lane Peterson hits. You know? I think it depends on where the I'm Oilers. Looking over see my shoulder, Lafoy. going, oh, here comes Lane Peterson.
0: No, I think though, what what really comes into my question is where the Oilers see Lavoie in terms of the future of the Oilers, right? Is he, mm-hmm. you know, does he move up the depth chart? And if he does, I mm-hmm. think we see Peterson stay in. Right? If they, you know, if they see a future for Lavoie. By the way, that one uh rocket of a, a shot he put into the top corner. Ooh. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Dirty. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, I kind of um like I kind of think, you know, we'll see Lavoie spend a year uh in the AHL and and Peterson who you know, like, I just don't think is a guy that they maybe see the same future from. Right. Uh, and, um, and it wasn't just,
1: Peterson. They gave the opportunity to with McDavid and dry you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think they yeah. wanted to see what Lavois could do. They found out like that was a hell of a snipe and, you know, he got shots on net. He played physical. I, uh, I don't know. I just like that yeah. guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of
1: why I'm thinking that way.
3: Yeah, they have a second round pick and a few years of development into Lavoie already, right? So like, I think they're doing their due diligence by seeing what they have yeah. and I'm giving them an extended look in the preseason here. And saw so a kid out of the Kings organization, Fagamo, I believe is his name, but he just got claimed by the Predators. He had 23 goals in the AHL last year. Lavoie had 25. Right? Yeah. So there's a very strong chance that somebody else out there is looking to, to claim a guy like Lavoie but I think that the chances of him being claimed on waivers would go down if he was to play some NHL games and struggle. Right? If they caught him now, teams are looking at his potential and looking in their chops. But if he gets into seven, eight, nine games and struggles, they're going to be less likely to waive him. So I think that's a really strong case for why you keep Lavoie at the start of the year.
0: Yeah,
1: good. Never point. thought about it that way. Yeah, that's a really good point actually, because. Mm you know, he's either good enough and he stays and sticks or he's not good enough. And then nobody's claiming him anyways. The counterpoint might be to that lots. is that everybody's sending guys down right now. Like everybody's sending down their extras and you'd probably rather keep your own. Maybe that you've put your time lost in, in the good, and somebody else's grabbing somebody else's maybe. But that said, there's a huge trend in the NHL. I actually wanted to talk to Hart about this, but you know there's a lot of teams that have 40, 41, 42, 43 contracts out of 50, and you know it gives you a lot of space and flexibility to be able to go and take a long shot at somebody like that if you want to stash them in the minors anyways. So, oh. yeah, a great point, but I see it from both sides.
0: All right, guys. Well, we're uh, we're just about at the end of our time, so we we'll just do a little uh, quick around the horn. I mean, this um, you know, now with the new uh, segments and that, it just seems like. You know, an hour seemed like a long time before. Now, an, an hour and a half doesn't seem long enough. Uh, but it's all—it's all good, Lotsy, It's great to have you. I can't believe, uh, as I said, it's the first time we've had you since we uh, started on the Friends of uh, Edmonton Sports Talk.
3: Yeah, like I said, you guys have let, some big uh, guests.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're one of our best too. We always love having you—the the Oracle of Heavy Hockey, as we like to call him. We bumped uh, Mark Spector sure. for you. You know, you're, <laughs> That's right. you're wow. a big uh, deal. Uh, Wow. I'm honored. (laughs) Um, So lots of different things, Uh, folks. We're going to be working uh, a lot harder on the heavy hockey showdown, uh, which is coming up in uh, near the end of February, just after the day after the uh, battle of Alberta game. Uh, Next week is the day before the season starts. And uh, so we're going to work on a uh, season preview uh, show uh, for Oilers Live Tuesday, uh, heavy hockey at night, and then uh, tomorrow night, of course, we got the guys from Fantasy Hockey Hacks on, uh, at uh, 9 p.m. Mountain here again on Edmonton Sports com or uh, at youtube.ca slash heavy hockey. Uh, thanks to everybody, um, uh, for tuning in tonight, and, and make sure you know, as we always say, hit that uh, subscribe button when you go to YouTube. Uh, helps us out. Uh, Lotsie, any uh, any quick last words uh, for everybody before we pass it off to Dash to take us home?
3: I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, yeah, just look out for more written content on heavyhockey.com. I've been pumping them out like crazy for the last little while here, and we'll probably likely do so for the rest of training camp and let's be real throughout the regular season too. So there's always lots of great stuff to see on heavyhockey.com. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the preview show next week. It'll be fun.
0: Awesome. All right, Dash, you got uh, 90 seconds left before we unceremoniously get kicked off the air.
1: Uh, you're up. Hey, thanks to Hart for coming on and and uh, you know breaking things down into layman's terms for us, and and thanks to Hart for choosing to not be counting full time. Thanks to Lotzi for taking 20 minutes out of his writing schedule. I'm shocked you have that type of spare time in your writing schedule. The amount that you pump content onto that website we love you buddy um i'm probably down to 60 seconds so let's do it this way um michael Hay bear comes from Cree descent he's wearing a hat that says we're indigenous proud we're an indigenous owned company here at heavy hockey uh we just passed national truth and reconciliation day uh in our way to celebrate it um i had something else in mind but we're a little bit out of time on there so stick around on youtube if you want to hear a story but uh you know we just want to honor those and uh good night everybody
0: Join Devin, Bruce, and the rest of the Fantasy Hockey Hacks right here on Edmonton Sports Talk Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Mountain or tune in at youtube.ca slash heavyhockey and make sure you like and subscribe. Looking for a hockey fix? We've got editorials, fantasy hockey, monthly brackets, and more. Go to heavyhockey.com. Hey, 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 it's Oilers Live Tuesdays, a regular 9 p.m. Mountain Time now streamed live on EdmontonSportsTalk.com or tune in at YouTube.ca slash
1: Heavy Hockey.
3: Still live on
0: YouTube, but off the air on EdmontonSportsTalk.com uh dash i I kept us going on youtube you said you had a couple more things you wanted to say we'll let you say that before we
1: sign out for the night so i just wanted to uh kind of double up on piggyback on what Stoffer was talking about um uh, yesterday's show he had brian trotche on and it was absolutely like phenomenal to hear some of some of the way he's come up and you know even getting help from another indigenous player and tiger uh, Williams in junior, and and him stating that he may not even have made the NHL if it wasn't for Tiger's help. And but you know there was a poll, I believe, and ultimately I think he was the second favorite Saskatchewan hockey player of all time. And it's not bad when you're second to Gordie Howe in that voting. Uh, he is the most decorated Indigenous hockey player of all time, and it's not even close. Um, you know, two first team All Stars. Two second team All Stars. He won a King Clancy. He won an Art Ross. He's won a Hart trophy. He's won the Calder trophy. He's won six Stanley Cups, um, a Con Smythe trophy. He won a championship in the SJHL when he was there. And the year he played in the WHL, he was the player of the year. Um, how's this for a career? Just, just like honest Christ, how is this to start an NHL career? Your first year, you win the Calder trophy. And you score 95 points, most points by a rookie that year. In your second year, you're a Hart Trophy finalist. You finish the NHL with 77 assists, the most in the NHL. You're a first-team All-Star, playing the All-Star game. In your third season, you win the Hart Trophy. You also win the Art Ross Trophy. You have the most assists in the NHL again with uh, 87. And the plus-minus with, I'm not joking, plus 76. The very next year, what does he do? Well, he goes out and wins his first Stanley Cup, leads the playoffs in points, wins the Conn Smythe Trophy, then his next year he wins another Stanley Cup, then his next year he wins another Stanley Cup, then his next year he wins another Stanley Cup, then his next year he's a Hart Trophy finalist and a Selkie finalist, has a couple of struggles years, comes back, wins the King Clancy Award, and then just goes Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup, mic drop. Are you kidding me? What a career. Then he just goes into the hall of fame. So I just thought that was a cool way to kind of talk about somebody from that, you know, type of background. And the story he talked about was pretty phenomenal. Cause I, I'd, I'd heard rumors of this, but I never actually heard it confirmed. And so there's the famous Wayne Gretzky or the Oilers story where in 1983, they walked by the cup, the winning dressing room and saw all the ice bags and the quiet and and, you know, realized how much they had to really push in order to win because, boy, they just had nothing else. And I thought I'd maybe read in a book at one time or heard somewhere along the lines that that was a a bit of a false story and that the Islanders were actually partying. Yesterday on Stauffer, uh, Trotschik absolutely 1,000% confirmed it. He said they were partying their asses off in that dressing room, and they had somebody around the corner scouting. And every time one or two of the Oilers were about to walk by, because you had to walk by their dressing room to get out of the arena, they were like, hey, sh- 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 sh. there's some Oilers coming, there's some Oilers coming. And out of respect, because they didn't want to stir the potter to be disrespectful, they quieted down. Um, I'm sure. sure they wouldn't have chose that path if they'd have known that it motivated the Oilers so much to take f- the Stanley Cup for the next five years from them. But I just thought that was a really cool story. So uh, I just wanted to add and end with all of that while we are still on YouTube, and uh a second good night, everybody.